Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. How are you doing today, Paul? Yep, doing good. <clears throat> it's been a, a hectic week. Um, uh, our local season has started here for um, uh, like our local teams, um, and so I'm quite heavily involved with uh, my local club and so it's been a mad week of getting social media posts sorted and website stuff and all that kind of good jazz. And then the boys are back playing uh, football, uh, pre-season friendlies and all that type of stuff. So yesterday was three different football matches. So it's absolutely shattered yesterday. And then uh, today I was doing some stuff in church. So it's just been a it's just been a hectic week and a hectic weekend. So I'm glad to be sitting down um, chatting to you two guys. And for the first time, I think, ever, it is raining as we're doing oh, this no. podcast. So I don't know what that means for for this podcast. Is it an ominous tone or what is it? But uh, we'll see in about an hour's time. <laughs> but yes, it, it is currently. It is currently. There's a drizzle. It's not the sunny, glorious Northern Ireland that it normally is whenever we come to record. So uh, read into that what you will. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's sort of the same here it's uh we, we've got a this weekend we got a break from the heat so that that's kind of nice and uh mm-hmm. i i'm enjoying it even the the cloudy over uh overcast um weekend so how how long is your season uh well it'll be the same length it'll be pretty much the same length as um premier league just the okay, uk great. season so it'll be, and you know the winter season so yeah this is us kind of Yesterday was the yesterday was the opening game. We got uh, so Ballyclare Comrades is my local team. We play in the the championship um, in the North. getting that in there. Had our opening game against Bangor, who are recent, who are promoted this season. So it was. I'm going to tell you, it was a really good game, very entertaining. It was two each behind. Um, Bangor took the lead. We equalised. Then they took the lead again, and we equalised just before half time and then we got the winner on the 88th minute um so <laughs> it was a really it was a really good weekend really good mm-hmm. uh, game and that's us off and run for the season well there's a lot of positivity around the club at the minute we're just kind of we had it we finished last season pretty well so then this season's just <clears throat> trying to get it started 
in the same vein of form and the pre-season games have been really good so yeah well, that, looking forward that to this sounds, season that sounds exciting yep definitely and, and Lubo how are you doing so uh, I'm good but I have a question now for Paul because I'm really confused when you say we is that a team you coach is that a team you play in is that a team you watch I'm, I'm not quite sure so, now I coach for the Ballyclare Comrades Boys Academy ah. Okay, and I run the social media. Well, part of the, like partly I'm part of the team, the social media team, doing the website and the socials, most of that stuff. I pretty much head up that, um, for both the academy and the senior team. And then when I talk about we opening the season, that was the senior team yesterday that I was down watching. So like the main, you know, Ballyclare Comrades team. Um, but I coach for the Comrades Boys Academy, um, and both my boys play for the Comrades Boys Academy. Their respective okay, okay, that, that that's not because I wasn't sure if you're talking about one of the the teams that the, your boys play on or the senior team or a team yeah. you actually you play on. So I was I was going to ask which which position you play. Sitting the stands. Um, yeah, my, uh, okay. my 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 type of playing days were over. I play five a side twice a week, but that's it. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, I even stopped that. I used to play. I used to play <laughs> indoors. I used to play indoor soccer four and four until about uh, right before pe- the pandemic, and I stopped just because my knees were not happy about it. But uh, yeah. no, it's good. Good to hear. I, I, I think we got the good weather from uh, from Belfast here. It's been very sunny. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been sunny for a while, uh, a couple of weeks now. Uh, pretty nice and sunny, and, and I'm actually very happy about it because. Uh, uh, we have uh, we had the concert on on Friday night uh, at MetLife yeah. Stadium, the, the Metallica mm-hmm. concert, and, and and then the second second night is tonight. So uh, we have to leave in about I would say four and a half hours uh, with my son to go to that uh, the second concert. So nice. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and and otherwise everything is good. Work has slowed down a little bit. Part of it is some some projects uh, just finished up, but also I work with a lot of people who are in Europe. And so a lot of the people I work with are on vacation, so it's, it's just meant that everything has slowed down a bit. Um, yeah. But uh, otherwise, all good. Perfect. Work slowing down uh, just in time for the start of the season. That's, uh, that's good timing. <laughs> I, I think it will, will uh, we'll get started. It'll get really busy again early September. So I think August will be a little bit slower uh, in terms of work. But uh, uh, yes, the season is starting. Uh, my son's water polo season is starting. So there's a whole bunch of things that, that I'm helping with there with, with, uh, with his team. So that'll keep me busy. But you know, before we know it, September is going to be here. It'll be crazy again. Yep, absolutely. So that's a, that's a good point to start with our opening question. Um, wanted to talk about the departures of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. So uh, what were your favorite moments of their careers? And do you think it was time for them to move on? Uh, So Lubo, do you want to get us started on that one? So I'll go with the second one, uh, which is absolutely was time. I mean, you could say for Henderson, maybe it was uh, a a season too late, but still being able to to move him on now. And to even get uh, some money up, up to with with add-ons, but possibly up to twenty million, I, I think it is it is good because I mean he's been a great servant for the team. He's been a ca- He's been on the team for twelve years. He's been a captain for what six seven years, and as a captain, he's 
pretty much lifted every trophy except for the Europa League. I was accounting, and he's even lifted the Community Shield. So uh, I, I would say Europa League is the only one that he has not lifted. Um, and he's been, he's been a good servant, but it, it, was, it was time to go. Um, and I think with all, all the changes happening, it, it, I think it, it, it actually is good. You have basically a bit of a changing of the guard, uh, and he, he's one of them. Um, in terms of favorite season from his, or favorite moment, it, it probably is, is, is um, you know, all the trophies that he lifted, uh, especially with the, champ, the first champ, the, the Champions League in, in, in Madrid. You would say that probably is, and just how emotional he was with his father afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, that was it. But maybe we can just all talk about Henderson for a minute and then talk about Fabinho. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, with Jordan Henderson, uh, I agree with you. It, 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 it was probably time for him to move on. It just like over the last season, it, it looked like uh, his legs were not quite there, and he sort of didn't have a spot to like fill in the the midfield so uh, i thought going into the summer it would be good to be able to you know move him on if that was possible and so that opportunity arose and and you know that that worked out just fine in terms of like favorite moment for for henderson you know i don't know if it's anything that's like on the field but so much that he had like his iconic shuffle that had uh, that he'd do every time he lifted a trophy. And the fact that Liverpool lifted enough trophies while he was captain to have him like develop that, I always thought that that was pretty cool. Um, so, so, Paul, what, what were your thoughts on, on Henderson? <clears throat> yeah, probably my favourite moment for Henderson's uh, when he left. I don't want to be that harsh. <laughs> I think um, for me, um, Henderson wasn't the right time to move him on. I'm going to agree with Lobo and yourself there. I think yes. I think probably in all in all consideration, if we'd been able to move him on last summer, um, that would have been probably a better time for him. <clears throat> I kind of think that um, last season showed probably this not necessarily the start of the decline he's probably been declining for a brave wee while but it just really exposed kind of where he'd where he'd got to in his career and he knew fine rightly that this season was just going to be a, a much more of a bit part role and kind of um coming in and uh not playing the big matches and everything else and i think that actually in some respects happening over the last couple of seasons where he didn't necessarily you know have that starting berth um for all the big matches and the important games. So um, I think for him, <clears throat> definitely the right time to move him on. I think uh, it's one of those ones where it came about as a as a, a chance circumstance where the, you know, an offer came in from a club that wasn't expected. And as Lubo said, you know, 12 million, 20 million, whatever it is, I think anyone would be happy just getting any money for him. So um, it's unexpected. I guess in a way that, that there was a monetary offer for him, but you're not going to turn that down. Um, and so it was definitely definitely good on. I think obviously we're kind of, and we'll talk about this later, you're kind of going, well, what was what was kind of the succession plan after this? But I think um, Sabosley coming in obviously is, is probably taking that starting burst, that role that Hendo would have had anyway. Um, highlights or memories? It was funny, I was watching probably like a highlights reel the other day and he, he did score a lot of good goals 
Um, when you think about, the, I always remember that one against Chelsea where he just, you know, pinged at top corner, that which was just a, which was just a, a, an extremely good goal. Um, and he had a he had a number of moments where, um, I, I think the other moment I think of was the. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Barcelona at Anfield, mm-hmm. where um, eight minutes in, he comes running through and takes a shot um, from midfield. The keeper saves it and it falls out to Origi. And in some respects, you go, that was the start of the the comeback that night. Um, because mm-hmm. he, he and, and I know people hate using this term about Hendo, but in a way he set the tempo for how we were playing that game. It was high intensity. He was, you know, he was bursting through from midfield uh, and went on. He created the space, had the shot, keeper saved it, Origi tapped it in, and from there we just kind of you know grew and and uh, built upon that, so I think there's moments that you have with Hendo for all his failings and for kind of you know the criticisms that he's taken over the last number of years. Uh, there were the, there was a lot of good times with him, and there's a lot of great memories. The stuff that that he's talked about and winning all the trophies and the I think you know, lifting the Premier League trophy, especially in an empty Anfield, but they made the most of it and the celebrations of the in the hotel. Where they're all gathered round, watching it round the screen. It's just moments that you just remember of of different guys and different things that he was involved in, he was part of, and the, you know the catalyst of. And people can criticise him for his pointing and shouting and and everything else and all they want to, but you know he was very highly rated and very much appreciated within the team. I think there's a lot of moments that you kind of look at and go, okay, he was a really great servant for the club. And time to move on, yes, of course. But uh, I hope, I hope in the years to come that there'll be a lot of people who will fondly remember the Jordan Henderson years, um, and him being the captain that brought the first Premier League trophy and was in the Champions League and different trophies that we won. So yeah, I think it's look upon it fondly. Yeah, and like you were saying, he did have a number of like really good goals from distance, and yeah, like some some other ones like. Uh, there was the game uh, down in Southampton, sort of in that same spring of 2019 time where he scored late, him and Mo scored late to like rescue the game. Yes. It looked, looked like a draw in the in the purple jersey. So like that was like a, a big moment. I think that was yeah. his first goal. It was like in a couple of years or so, like in a really long time. Um, and, yeah. and so like, you know, that's sort of when he like kicked off when... Uh, he had like sort of his best spell of form there in that calendar mm-hmm. year of, of of 2019, and was really important in you know the run to the Champions League trophy and then the start of the the season uh, in the the title winning season. So yeah. uh, 
Okay, so Lubo, uh, why don't you talk about Fabinho and, and your favorite moments of, of him uh, and whether or not you thought it was time for him to move on. So, fav- favorite moments. If you think goal, it's probably the goal against Man City. Uh, he obviously mm-hmm. didn't score a lot of goals and the, a few of the goals he scored were penalties uh, when I, I think Mo just was not available. Uh, but obviously the goal against Man City, just because of uh, what it meant, uh, not just with that game, but also for um, for the season. I mean, it was. I think he was just uh, and just the whole the way it came out with the potential handball, the potential penalty uh, against Liverpool, and then they, to go back the other way and right away to score. Uh, and then I think it was a few minutes later, Mo scored the second one, and that basically was the game. And I think that uh, and then just what it meant for for the rest of the season. I think that was such a such a, such a classic Fabinho goal. Uh, but I think my favorite moment actually uh, was uh, in that semifinal against Barcelona. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, eighth minute, tenth minute. I don't know if we, I mean, we may have scored already. It was just 1 0. And he completely took out Luis Suarez. Uh, he was, uh, he was attacking. <laughs> where he did get the ball, but he went through the ball and he just completely flipped him in the air the way normally James Milner would do that. And he got a yellow. But I, th- I feel that, uh, and so I, you're worried because now you have to play 80 minutes mm-hmm. uh, with a yellow card, right? You're having to defend against Messi and Suarez. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was just such a, such a monster game and somehow we pulled it off. But I think that, that, that moment, be, be beyond just the early goal from Divi, uh, the, the, that tackle, I think it just set the, the, the tempo and set just the mentality for the rest of the game. And, and I, that was such a favorite moment that I had uh, uh, from Fabinho. Uh, in terms of, was it the right time to move him on? I mean, I would say all things being equal, ideally, you would have kept him for another season. Ideally. Yeah. Or brought someone in earlier, right? So Because I think by mm-hmm. the time an offer came in for Henderson, you had already bought uh, um, uh, uh, McAllister, you had already bought Soboslai, you had still had Curtis and Harvey. You already had options in there. It wasn't that all of a sudden you had to scramble to replace Henderson. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just when, when an offer came for Fabinho, you, ideally, you would have had a little bit more of an inkling and potentially even brought in someone earlier uh, in the summer. So that, that way you're not in a situation now where everybody knows that you need uh, a replacement for Fabinho and, and everyone's price just went up uh, 10%. Or 15% or whatever, right? But at the same time, you knew that you had to replace Fabinho. I mean, there were a lot of questions uh, last year about his legs and were they gone and was he gone as a player? There's that 10-game stretch when he played next to, to Trent when he seemed to have uh, revived a bit as, as a player and had more energy, mm-hmm. more spring in his legs. But it was, it was difficult. Uh, and I, I know I, 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 I like to think that he would have been a good uh, midfielder to have this year next next to um, uh, next next to uh, uh, Trent and with uh, Stefan coming uh, coming up and uh, from his injury and having a, a kind of a a year just to to bet into the team. But at the same time, if someone offers you forty million uh, for yeah. uh, for Fabinho, you, you kind of have to take it because you just don't know if if you'll get anything close to that next year. And then you you know you don't you don't want to be in a situation where uh, either either nobody comes for him next year or you get a really low offer and you don't know what to do right. 
Um, and I think the other one uh, about this, I think the second factor uh, beyond just the 40 million is, is the fact that you're in the Europa League this year. And I think the Europa League is, is a kind of an opportunity. It's a bit of a silver lining where you could probably take a bigger gamble than normally you could if you were in the Champions League. Um, because if, if you were in the Champions League and, and you really, uh, it, there's the, the money on the line and, and the prestige, and you know, there's not going to be, no one's going to give you a, a, a mulligan for just punting the Champions League, right? Uh, then you, you really have to think twice about whether you uh, sell Fabinho this year, this summer. But because you have the Europa League, you have a little bit of a flexibility, not just because you could probably play uh, uh, by or even. Thiago, even Curtis in the Europa League in, in the sixth and just see how it goes. But also, you know, you you'd still get out of the group, uh, group stages of the Europa League even without having Fabinho. And that gives you a chance to just, you know, wait a little bit, maybe until the end of this transfer window, even until January, and bring in a, a, a one or two players who could, who could step in for him. So I think the two, the money and the fact that you're in the Europa League Probably is what led uh, uh, Klopp and Liverpool to say just just sell him, right? Yeah, but, I think that uh, it, it yeah. it's being a little bit uh, opportunistic, right? Uh, in like you're saying, sort of in an ideal world, you wouldn't sell Fabinho this year. You would keep him for one more year while you uh, identify and acquire your your long term successor. Uh, but you know they got an offer for a fee roughly uh, the same amount of money that they paid for him five years ago. So it's like you're you're breaking even on that front. He could have uh, been a you know solid contributor. Like his he's in a state of physical physical decline, but he's like above the threshold where you can still be a like top end contributor. Because if you think about it, like once you reach a certain point in your professional career you just enter into a state of decline, but then that doesn't mean you're not good enough to play. And so he was still above mm -hmm. that threshold uh, and could have been a very, you know, key piece of this season. But, you know, there was a opportunity to sort of get him uh, out the door for a good fee and then not have, not have his uh, contract as a liability in going forward to when he would be below that threshold. So, uh, you know, it, I, I would have preferred to keep him, but I understand why he left um, or like why Liverpool was willing to sell him at this point in time. Um, in terms of the like good moments uh, with Fabinho's career, Lubo, you like took all of my thunder. Like that was all the things that I was going to talk about. <laughs> is the, the like thunderbolt against Man City, his ability to like get a yellow card early in the game and not, um, yeah, uh, not get a second one. Like I don't think he ever got a red card, even though he would regularly get a yellow card in the first half, uh, even in big games. And then that that one month where Mo uh, Mo went to Afcon and Fabinho was the leading scorer. Some of that was the yeah. he started taking penalties, and then some of that was um, him like scoring. He scored a couple off of um, corners, right? And mm -hmm. like him just always being that like rock there in the middle that you could uh, count on to to break up play and and distribute to the like more dangerous attacking players, like. Uh, all in all, is like he was the missing piece uh, after the uh, 
the the Champions League loss to to Madrid and bringing him in really was one of the things that uh, propelled Liverpool to winning so much over the last few years. So, uh, Paul, can you give us your thoughts on Fabinho? <clears throat> There's really not too much more to add to that. I think um, you know the saying or the phrase that's kind of going through my head when I think about uh, Fabinho and the transfer of that it just scored. What a finish! Um, I think the 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 phrase that goes through my head is you don't you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever someone's giving you money of that of that value that amount for a player who you know next summer you're not going to get anywhere near that for. You kind of have to look at it and go, mm. <laughs> you know, we've had his best years. He's given us his best football. You're getting what you paid for him back, roughly. Um, you're getting a wage. I would say he was on a decent salary. So you're getting that shifted on. I think you just have to go, do you know what, the offer to refuse. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think, had, you know, I think in an ideal world, you're keeping him for another year, as you guys have both said. You're bringing in the replacement, you're training the replacement up, and you're getting, you know, transitioning him out of the team over over the next twelve months. But just at this stage, then you you just don't say no to to an offer like that. And I think that's why, I think that's probably why he left the training camp or didn't even go to the training camp. Where whereas Jordan Henderson did, because uh, the kind of information about the two of them came through at the same time. Um, but effectively, it was like, well, no, we're gonna. <laughs> Liverpool's approach seemed to be, well, we're gonna, we're gonna fight a bit more for Jordan, or we're gonna hold on to him for a bit more and try and make, try and make sure that we get the best offer possible. Whereas for Benio, it was like, yes, okay, you can go and negotiate here, um, and and we'll try and make this happen. Um, and I think uh, highlights again, you guys have covered them both. I think sometimes some of the highlights for Fabinho revolve around his wife and some of the stuff that she would have tweeted or commented on social media just about, you know, people criticizing him or, you know, even as, 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 as recently as, you know, before the end of last season, when people were saying that, that he was leaving and that he was going to move and all the rest of it and, and her kind of coming out saying, no, we're happy. We're staying here kind of thing. And you just have to, you know, it's a full package and some of the highlights just kind of her interactions. And but I look at them, I look at them kind of as the, as you said, the missing piece that kind of after the Champions League lost just propelled us on to years of success. And weirdly, I think he was underappreciated by maybe not necessarily the majority of our fan base, but I, you know, for a period of time, especially when he first came in, it was like, who is this guy? Why have we bought him? And why is Klopp not playing him? Because it did take a while before he got into the team. And I think people from opposition fan bases, I don't know, did they underestimate him? They kind of were like, ah, you know, he's he's not Rodri, he's not this, he's not the other, you know? And I kind of was like, he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. Um, and he, he was a great player. And for other, for other teams to kind of underestimate him was to do that at their peril. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it'll be he'll be a hard act to follow and to replace. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now that I'm just sitting here thinking about things, it's just like I was remembering some of the uh, goal celebrations that he would do with um, Roberto Firmino, and yeah, just definitely. how that, yeah. how like now that you know Bobby's gone, Sadio's gone, 
Fabinho's gone. Like a lot of the guys who did a lot of the like more I- iconic goal celebrations, they're all they've all left, yep. and the the guys that are um, have replaced them just don't, don't do that nearly as much. So that that uh, the fact that that's no longer part of Liverpool is is a bit sad. But you know, I'm sure that like the the new guys will come up with their own own thing, oh, and sure. we'll, we'll, oh, yeah, and we'll hopefully get to see that pretty soon um so this is a good point to to start looking at you know what what's happened over the last month in preseason so uh liverpool have completed their uh training camp there in germany and then took their overseas trip to singapore uh in the in the preseason friendlies they they had lots of strong offensive performances like you had three goals in each of the four games but also struggled defensively at times so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what were your impressions of the preseason games? Did anything stand out or anyone stand out? Um, and Lubo, do you want to get us started on that one? So, I mean, definitely you would say that the attack and not just some of the attackers, but all of the attackers, including Ben Doak, they all look to, to have, um, to be in good shape. Luckily, there's no injuries. I mean, I know we had a couple of I know Tiago and, and Bacetic, they, they, they came on late. And I think Connor, Connor Bradley also had a, a, a knock before the, the trip to, to Asia. But in terms of just, I would say that the, the, the main players who, who came in, everybody seems to have come in uh, healthy. Uh, the attackers, everybody seems to be in good shape, especially uh, Diogo and, and Luis, who, who had injuries last season, right? They had injury play season. Mm-hmm. They all, they both seem very, very strong, very fit. Uh, same with uh, 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 Gakpo, who actually looks even faster. I'm not sure if it's even possible, but he, he just, he does look, uh, he, he looks faster. <laughs> and, and Darwin also looks good. So from an attack perspective, um, it, 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 things are clicking and you could see the confidence and you could see they're playing uh, well. They're, they're, they're um, uh, scoring for fun. Whatever that expression is, because you know everybody. Whenever you score, it's fun, right? So from an attacking perspective, it's it's been good. I think that uh, getting getting a look at some of the younger players and quite a few of the players have gotten actually decent minutes. Uh, I mentioned Ben, uh, Bobby Clark also has gotten quite a few minutes, and he's he's looked he's actually looked uh, very nice, uh, very nice, and, and looked a bit more grown up, uh, mm-hmm. technically very astute, and and even. Uh, Jarrell Kwanzaa, just getting to see him a bit, uh, that's, been, that's been good. So I think those are the positives, the, the, just the, the, the attack. Just most people seem to be uh, pretty fit and healthy, and, and also some of the youngsters. Yeah, the, the, the games have been at really weird times for me. So they're at like, you know, 1, one 2 a.m., so I actually haven't gotten to see the, a lot of the full, full matches. But from what I could tell in watching the, the highlights, extended highlights, is just that the attack looks very sharp. Like, all the passing is super crisp. The guy's finishing looks looks pretty good. Like, they're, they're taking great shots uh, mm-hmm. and just finding ways to break down the defenses that are in front of them. And so, like, that all looks pretty good. Like, the attack looks very ready to go to start the season. And, you know, given where things are in terms of the roster like the attack has to be the thing that carries the team at least to start the season and so the fact that they're looking like they're in good form is is quite encouraging um but in terms of like individual players i can't really say as much because again haven't watched um been able to watch the the full games um just 
really looks like the attack is, is good to go. Uh, Paul, what what are your thoughts on the preseason so far? Definitely, the attack is is obviously um, raring to to get the season started. I think, especially in that that Bayern game, um, they looked that first half was just you know it was electric at times. Just the the break, the transition, the quick. Um, quick movement. I thought, you know, Gakpo's goal and, and uh, yeah, no, just looked. The attack definitely looked as if we were up for it. Um, which is funny because given last season, when you looked at, I think I've read a number of stats. You know, basically, if you take out those three matches where we had high scoring results, you know, the Bournemouth game and the, and the United game, and when you take the, when you take them out of the equation, we didn't actually score as many goals or anywhere near as many goals as we should have. So. Um, you definitely need the attack to be uh, to be functioning um, and ready to go right from the start of the season. Um, and you're right, Lobo, players being injured and having them available. Jota looking really good. Diaz looking, you know, uh, on fire, speedy as ever, and <clears throat> you know, dribbling um, all the rest of it. So I think we're I think we're in a good position um, going forward. I think. <laughs> Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. A lot has been said about the defensive aspect of where we are. Um, and it's hard to tell because you, pre-season is that opportunity for trying things. So, you know, you, you're starting a game and the, the team that starts the first half or, you know, you're trying who's on the left-hand side of the pitch, who's on the right-hand side of the pitch. What way do you switch the first and second half? Do you go strong first half with your defence and weaker with the attack and all the rest of it? The preseason games, it's really hard to get a gauge on actually where are we going to sit. Now, we have this game tomorrow against uh, Darmstadt, isn't it? So then that's Dar- going to be... Yeah. Yeah, so that may give us more of an indication of kind of what the starting lineup's going to be for next Sunday and how we approach, you know, how we approach the, the, the game. Um, so we might be able to tell more from that rather than from the four games that, that have been played. Um, uh, but, like, and it, there were moments, you know, halves or 45 minutes or 30 minutes of play when you had, you know, a really strong defence on. You went, well, actually, the, this this group is good. Um, and then when you when you switch that and you brought on and played different players who who don't tend to play as much, or you know you're, you're playing with McConnell in, in in the defensive midfielder role, who you know who we haven't had play in front of the back four, and then you're putting Matip and Gomez behind that, and you know you're you're playing with 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 other players who haven't played as much over the last year, then 
you know, you're, you're bound to see these these passages of play which are going to be leaving us exposed. Do you know what I mean? And so I kind of think that trying to judge how we're going to set up defensively and offensively based on the preseason games that we've seen currently, you know, I think there's a lot of can there be a can it be said that there's a lot of overreaction that we've conceded goals. You know, I know some of the WhatsApp groups I'm in with different fans. It's like, oh, here we go. We've conceded four goals again, or we've conceded three goals, or we've conceded this, that, and the other. Our defence is terrible. And you're kind of going, yeah, but look who's in defence um, and look at who's playing in front of them. And, and you know, we have we have brought on, and this isn't a slight on the young players because I thought they've done really, really well, but you have brought on Bobby Clark and Ben Doak who are, you know, offensively who are really tuned in but are they providing the same defensive cover as what you know Mo Salah and Hakpo and you know Jota and Diaz and, and you know are, are providing for us so it's hard to get a read on those games if that makes sense but I, I, I'm yeah I'm pretty positive that the 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 preseason has went well and yeah. um, uh, Actually, we've had worse. Yeah. We've had worse preseasons. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Actually, Paul. I mean, one thing that uh, has been lost exactly because of a lot of the changes and a lot of the goals is that actually, uh, in the four games, uh, in when whenever uh, uh, Virgil and uh, Ibu have been the, mm-hmm. the center back pair, uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool have allowed only one goal, and that yeah. was the goal from the corner against. I think I forget which was. It, um, Forget which which uh, it was off a corner. I think it was uh, Karlsruhe off a corner where uh, yes. um, Stindl just uh, hit a screamer uh, that mm-hmm. nobody was saving. But but in terms of I think that it, for uh, again for uh, a lot of the goals that Liverpool have allowed in these games, uh, in terms of when you look at the time when uh, Virgil and Ibu and then uh, Trent and Robo have been on the pitch, and especially look mm-hmm. at open play. Actually, the defense has been mostly fine, <laughs> and yes. and he, he, even even against the, against the um, the game against Bayern, and I know it wasn't Ibu, it was Joel. But for the first thirty minutes, I mean, uh, Liverpool were excellent, and they were pressing, they were pressing very well, they were scoring well, they were up two nil, and it was mostly, I would say, just individual one on one defending with with the fact that the, after thirty minutes, I think in the heat and the humidity, and even Klopp admitted to it that they just started very hot, they were running. Uh, so the the press dropped off a little bit, a couple of uh, you know balls over the top, and it was more just the individual brilliance of of uh, Nabry against Joel that uh, yeah. that led to those goals, rather than you would say like huge you know problematic systemic issues. So I I I agree with you. I think that once once we get started and once the you have just more settled games where you have the the Virgil and Ibu starting and hopefully finishing games. Um, and that that hopefully mm-hmm. will be the case for most of the Premier League season. Uh, I I think that the defense is going to look much better, but obviously we have to yeah. see before uh, before we can say for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. A lot of what I what you could tell from like the highlights is that the goals that were conceded were more on the uh, individual positioning concentration spectrum rather mm-hmm. than like mm-hmm. something like generally wrong with how things are set up. So like you're saying is if you have the 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 main players in there, it, it should be like a better combination uh to, to prevent goals. Uh so I think this is a good point where we should start looking at um 
at the roster and like what what's going to happen over the next what three four weeks to end the transfer window. So, Lubo, what what are you anticipating for the the roster rebuild? Well, anticipating, I'm not sure it's the right term. I think more areas where I'm curious to see uh, what what uh, the um, Liverpool decide to do. So you would say the attack is is pretty fit. I think there's going to be a question around, I would say mostly Ben Doak, whether you keep him for the Europa League or whether you loan him out. I'm sure as it gets closer to the trade deadline, uh, transfer deadline, <laughs> trade deadline, uh, my, 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 base, my baseball... My baseball is coming into it. But as you get closer to the transfer deadline, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams that will ask for Ben, ben Doak on loan. And it's going to be yeah. a question, do you keep him? Do you find a, a spot for him for the Europa League? Because that obviously will impact your homegrown versus non-homegrown considerations. I, but I would say in an attack, that's really the, the main question. I think that in midfield, uh, the, obviously we know what the question is, right? Really, you know, do you bring... Uh, one, the definitely, I, I expect one midfielder to come in, one more defensive midfielder. The question is, is it who it is, and is it one, is it two? Uh, they, they have been links to Lavia. I don't think we need to go in detail about the Lavia links. There have been links to Andre, and Andre may be someone, if, if, if the interest is confirmed, may actually be someone who makes more sense for January as more of a Tiago replacement long-term. So I definitely expect at least one midfielder to come in. Uh, in, in, in the summer, maybe another one in January, who knows. And then I think the big question is going to be around the defense because you definitely need to be bringing uh, defenders. You definitely, with Joel Matip, not just his age, but his contract situation, and even some of his performances have been a bit shaky. You know that you need to bring, bring in the replacement. And the question there is going to be, well, do you buy a right-handed center back because that's the role that you want Joel to play? Do you buy a Joel replacement now? Or do you actually say, well, Kwanzaa looks like he might be the Joel replacement, so maybe that's what it is. But even then, you still need to bring in another center back uh, because even if Kwanzaa is the Joel replacement, you have to start looking for a Virgil replacement. You know, you, you have a couple of players in, the, in their 30s who need to be replaced in the next one to two, two to three years, maybe. Um, so I think one center back will come in, but... The question is, is that center back now? Or do you say that uh, you, you're just going to uh, stick with Kwanzaa, especially for the Europa League, uh, and then you just bring in, another, you bring in that center back in January or next summer? So I definitely, you know, we've talked midfield and defense are the next areas to continue to strengthen. But when that happens, as in this summer versus January versus next summer, and uh, how many players come in this summer versus later on, it's a question mark, and I think some of that will be tied with who's available, but also some of that will be tied with how internal options look like. So Kwanzaa as a center back, uh, as well as uh, Curtis Jones in that deeper role, uh, Stefan Bacetic when she when he's back, Thiago. There there are internal options. There are questions about the internal options, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time to to evaluate internal options and external options before deciding do you buy two midfielders now or do you buy a midfielder now and a midfielder in January when the center back comes in. So I have no idea what's going to happen in the next month. I expect at least one more player to come in this summer, a midfielder. Beyond that, who knows? 
Yeah, what I I, th- I agree. I disagree just a little bit about the defense uh, with you. I think that you actually have to make a priority to sign a center back before the end of the window. Um, right now, it looks like Joe Gomez is going to be Trent's backup at right back, and so you don't actually have a full two deep uh, of senior players uh, along your back line. And then when you combine that with Joel Matip being maybe the the one that's had more performance issues over the last 12 months, uh, and he's sort of your first option off the bench, and you have Virgil and Ibu who have had injury issues over the last couple years, I think you need that third center back, somebody that's a little bit better coming off the bench or being your first option off the bench uh, in the case of injuries or you need rotation. So I really think that getting a center back by the end of the window is is, is critical. Um, and then as far as the midfield goes, I, I think that you know one signing now that's more of a like-for-like replacement for Fabinho would be... Uh, the other priority. Uh, like you mentioned with Andre, he looks more like a controlling midfielder that's sort of um, like a more like Tiago who can play in that sort of box-to-box controlling midfield role. And like it's fine if he comes in in January because then um, he's got six months of overlap with Tiago and he can get adjusted before you know being expected to contribute at a higher level maybe in the in the following season and and that that should work out just fine but i i would think that you know you would want somebody that's more on that defensive midfielder like type of profile uh to come in before the end of the window um but who that is i have no idea um and and like you were saying with ben doke is because he has less than two years at the club and he came from Scotland. He still has to be registered on the the senior list um, in the Europa League. So he would take a foreign spot uh, in that group. And Liverpool currently have two spots available. So if they they sign two players, then sending Ben Doak out on loan might actually make sense because he would have fewer opportunities at Liverpool to get game time. Um, so, Paul, what, what are you sort of... Uh, expecting uh from the the roster point of view between now and the end of the window see matt this is why i like having you on this podcast because you have all that kind of information like i i that that stuff about ben doke and two two available europeans there are two available uh foreign foreign spots and all the rest of it like that's that that level of detail matt Ah, <laughs> chef kiss hat off to you. That's lovely. Um, so what are, what are we going to do? I, I think what are we going to do is like the million dollar question, really, isn't it? You know, everyone and their everyone and their dog has an opinion about what Liverpool need to do and who they need to buy and where they need to strengthen. And you know, you hear people making wild claims for um needing a needing a, a right a right forward um to kind of replace Mo and come in and understudy for Mo this season. You hear people saying that we need at least two midfielders, three midfielders, you know, you're gonna need two defenders, we need a left sided defender, we need a you know, you need a you need a right back, you need <laughs> you know, so there's there's claims to be made that we need another five players in this summer. Um uh, uh, baffles me but um I, I kind of uh, yes, I think 
I'm more of the of the agreement with you, Matt, that that having watched uh, Joel and and and, and Kwanzaa and, and the talk, there seems to be that Nat Phillips is on his way to Leeds. Um, not that not that I'm any in any way advocating that Nat Phillips <laughs> should be an option for this season. Um, but it's just that idea that you know senior centre backs who we could call upon. Um, if you're looking at who who we have currently, well then I do think that we we definitely need to kind of um look at that centre back area and strengthen, um because I don't think I don't think I don't think long, short to medium term I don't think Kwanzaa is 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 really your is really the option that we need to go with there. Um, I, I get what you're saying, Lobo, where you could use him in Europa and 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 try and blood him in that way. I'm just I don't know. I just I, I just don't. Yeah, I'm kind of not. <laughs> I'm kind of not sure on that one. And, yeah. and my tape. So, I, I could, think that could work I, Europa, but sorry about that, uh, Paul. I think that you're right. Yeah. I think Kwanzo is like a good option as a true fifth uh, center back, right? And so yes. if you had yeah. like a couple other guys there to take Premier League games, if the uh, if Virgil or Ibu are injured or need a break then it's it's fine like having kwanzaa as the fifth center back which is what phillips did for the last several years i think that that's a good uh Mm -hmm. good plan yeah but if you need them to do more you're kind of a wee bit smuggered and and i think the the issue is that i I guess the argument could be made right that joel matip could be a good fifth option (laughs) do you know what i mean um if if you can't get rid of them so I, I do think we need another centre back. Oh, Arsenal equalised. <laughs> um, I do, I do think we, um, I do think we need another centre back. Um, just to kind of your point, Matt, about um, Gomez probably being more of the right back cover this season. It'll be interesting. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if Bradley hadn't got his wee niggle, his wee injury there before they went to um, Singapore to see how much game time he would have got. Um, because uh, obviously uh, Calvin Ramsey went out of loan, so the decision definitely was that he needed game time somewhere else and Bradley was the one who came back from Bolton with with pretty much a glowing report as to how his season went last season, so you're kind of going, well, what what what's the what's the thought process behind him there? Um, but we have seen that then Gomez has played as the right back option. So yeah, um, centre back is probably somewhere that I would be looking to address. And I think if you go by what some of the journalists have said, that that is a position that we are looking at. You know, we are looking at. Uh, a central midfielder, probably uh, of a of a number six role, to replace Fabinho, like for like, um, and then a, a defender of some description. I know that earlier in the transfer window, it had been talked about a right back, um, possibly being looked at, but that seems to have went quiet. So, um, aside from that, what's what what else do we look at in terms of the of the squad for the rest of or for for between now and Christmas? You know, I think Ben Doke should hopefully get a bit of time, bit of bit of playing time, one way or the other, and then Connor Bradley, if he stays, will probably get some game time. Quanto will get some game time in Europa. So yeah, like we might even see Bobby Clark in the Europa League games and, and whatnot. So we know that that you're going to use the younger players in 
uh, Champions League group stage games as well over the years. So it's definitely. I don't think. I don't think we need massive wholesale um, purchases between now and the between now and the end of the transfer window. Possibly two, two good, you know, two good strong um, players brought in for centre back and midfield would put us in a really good position. Yeah, yeah. The, just, the just, point, just two. Yeah, the point that you make, <laughs> the point that you make, Paul, about uh, Joe Gomez. I think that is going to be a, 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 a something that will will determine whether you need to bring in a centre back. So if you view Joe Gomez as basically a yes. right back and you plan to use him there quite extensively in that role, especially in this role where you seem to be bringing in the left back in a more of a, a cost, especially more of a uh, kind of a this hybrid uh, Zinchenko role, if you will. And if your thinking is that Joe Gomez will mostly be your, your backup right back and that's where he plays mostly, then you do need a center back. Uh, as uh, Absolutely, you do need. Because then you, you have Joel and Kwanzaa as, as your backups. And if if you if you thought okay Virgil and Nibu could give you forty games each no problem cover all the Premier League games then you say okay maybe we could use uh, Joel and and Kwanzaa in the Europa League and then you know make it but you know that that there are some reliability issues availability issues so if if Joe Gomez will be primary right back then you need to bring in a centre back this summer I agree with you and then mm-hmm. the question really becomes what type of a profile which is, you know, do you then see Kwanzaa more of a long-term right centre-back, more of a Joel replacement, because that's where, where he's mostly played um, in, in, in the academy and even uh, in League One, or uh, in which case then you, you want to get more of a left-sided uh, uh, centre-back who could, who could uh, play for Virgil, maybe even sometimes play in that uh, a Robo role that a lot of people want to replace uh, Robo as a left-sided centre-back. So uh, there are uh, a lot of question marks, and, and I think those question marks are tied to how you're going to use uh, uh, Joe Gomez and then how you view the, long, the current and also the long-term uh, future of, of Kwanzaa. But, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not opposed to bringing a center back early uh, this summer. Uh, we have been very quiet about it. I mean, there was the Colwell rumors, which I was always skeptical about. But there haven't really been a lot of center backs, or in fact, any other center backs linked to Liverpool heavily, which probably means that they'll just announce one tomorrow after the game, and we'll be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> we we always knew this guy was happening." You know, we've always been linked to him, so we'll see. But listen, if 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 it ends up that uh, the rest of the month, the rest of the summer, uh, we bring in a, a, a more of a defensive midfielder and a center back, fine by me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point to start looking ahead uh, to to the season. Uh, so the final preseason game uh, is tomorrow uh, against Darmstadt in Preston, uh, and then the Premier League season will start next season, uh, next weekend. Uh, the Liverpool's first four games prior to the international break will be against Chelsea, Bournemouth, Newcastle, and Aston Villa. So, Paul, what are you expecting here in the month of August from Liverpool in the Premier League? Um, so four wins. <laughs> um, uh, like honestly, uh, it's it, it's I guess it's the unknown. Obviously, starting a new season for most teams. Um, I think 
basketball scores maybe <laughs> I think we could definitely um I think we can I I think we can definitely pick up four wins um and I'm not just saying that because we're on the positivity podcast and we always have to be positive um but I, I'm expecting exciting games I'm expecting um you know I, I'm expecting Chelsea to be one of those games where both teams had terrible seasons last year both teams are kind of in that place where they want to set down, shall we say, a marker. But I, I still feel that Liverpool as a squad and as a team are much more coherent and know what we're doing because Chelsea are fresh under Pochettino. You know, they're you don't know what, what way they're going to approach things and, you know, the players that they've brought in, the players that they've sold, the players that are, you know, changing um, nearly daily. Um, even even at the minute with their transfer scenario and the things that they're doing, so you, you just kind of look at it and go, don't know what they expect with Chelsea, but I would like to think that we can win against Chelsea. Our first home game against Bournemouth is the game I'm supposed to be at, um, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, my tickets all work out for that. Um, and uh, again, I would be expecting us to win that game, first home game of the season. You always want to get a win under the belt. You kind of want to make sure. That you get the home fans on your on your side, um, and then after that, Newcastle and Aston Villa, I don't think will be. They're not going to be easy games by any stretch of the imagination. I think I think Villa have bought really well this summer, um, and I think under Unai Emery, they have you know they ended the season really well. They were playing um, really good football, um, and we know that Newcastle um, last season had a great season. You you kind of expect that to continue. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing exciting games, um, but I'm still I'm still of the mindset that that we're good enough to beat, we're definitely good enough to beat, you know, those four teams. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that um, you know if we look back at how things have gone in that first month um, for Jurgen Klopp's teams is like often they score a lot of goals in this first month and then maybe also leak quite a few goals. So I think that we will see more like that, um, like that pattern where yeah. it's it's like going to be 4-3, it's going to be, you know, stuff, uh, score lines like that where they're high scoring sort of, you know, run and shoot type of, type of stuff. Um, and now, I, as I'm saying that, I'm also looking at the history of, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool, the last four times they've met, no goals have been scored. So, um, mm. <laughs> yes, it's one of those things that you're balancing. Like, I would expect that, like, in the first month, that Liverpool will have lots of goals, but then also they have a long history of not scoring against this team. And, um, you know, I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, 
and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Klopp also, uh, if we look at just, you know, the, the next couple of games, is Bournemouth is a team that Liverpool scored a lot of goals against. Uh, uh, Eddie Howe is traditionally someone who Jurgen Klopp's teams have scored a lot of goals against. And so, yeah, I would, I would expect stuff like that to happen over the the first month and then maybe some uh going back to the drawing board on 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 the defensive side to to make sure that uh things are uh shored up after that uh international break so uh lubo what are you sort of expecting here in the in the first month of the season um well i'm not expecting if a new signing comes in uh by the end of the transfer window i'm not expecting that new signing to to really start maybe come in as a sub i basically feel that with these four games Klopp will decide who are his, what's his best, his strongest 11, whether that's Curtis as a six. I wouldn't be surprised if he even tries Alexis actually as a six and, and moves Curtis back at, at his more attacking role. Uh, I think that's one of the things that actually we didn't talk about it, but I, I tactically uh, during preseason, I've had a really hard time figuring out how Klopp is going to use his midfielders, specifically Alexis and, 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 and Soboslai. Uh, I know he's used Curtis as a, as a six for a couple of games, but but uh, McAllister and 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 Soboslai, they've kind of moved around. They've been on the left, they've been on the right, they've been a little deeper, they've been a little more attacking. <laughs> so I think Klopp is also trying to maybe he's trying to figure it out, but it's possible he's kind of hiding the the his cards close to his chest, so it's difficult for teams to to know which way he's going to use them. But regardless, I would not be surprised if, if coming out of you know for the Chelsea game, he has a, a starting eleven uh, of let's say Curtis, uh, Alexis, and and Soboslai as his midfielders, uh, and you know Ibu and uh, uh, Virgil, Robo and Trent as his defenders, and then maybe some rotation and attack. But more or less, that's his team for the first month. Uh, and hopefully, it's it, hopefully if it turns out that it's a bunch of four three four two games or three one three two games, <laughs> any any way we can, I wouldn't mind uh, uh, that as long as we as long as we win or win enough of those games. But I also would not be surprised if we have a couple of clean sheets in there, uh, just because as, as we discussed, it it it, it has uh, Ibu and and Virgil actually in, in uh, the preseason. They've been pretty solid together. So what I expect is that basically the team that club has now already is the team that is going to to start these four games and any new uh, uh, additions that come in this this summer will most likely be uh, after the after the fourth game after the international break we may see them uh, coming in. So what it will mean in terms of performances and results, who knows? Four wins would be great. I would take three wins and a, and a, and a draw, especially if. I don't know a draw at Newcastle or a draw at uh, Chelsea. Either one probably would work. But if if you gave me ten points in those first four games, I would take it. Ah, absolutely. Uh, and since this is sort of our preseason preview podcast, uh, we're going to do some predictions now. Um, so we'll start off with 
Who do you think will be the top four of the Premier League? Um, Paul, do you want to go first? <sighs> I hate predictions. Who do I think is going to be top four? City. <laughs> I think City are going to make it. <laughs> uh, I think we can put that one in there safely. City. Um, us. And I'm going to go with Arsenal and I'm going to go with uh, Newcastle. Okay. Um, Do you think Liverpool will win the league? Hmm. Sorry, you you cut out there just to... (laughs) Oh, I took a breath. <laughs> I was like, do I think Liverpool will win the league? I I think they can, okay? Do I think they will? <laughs> I say this all the time. <laughs> I think I say this all the time. City are always the team you have to beat. City are always the team that, 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 that you're setting your marker against. They're the team that has to be has to be conquered. Um and so uh, if you finish above City, you're going to win the league. I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Lubo, your your predictions for the, the top four in the Premier League? So City, I would say Arsenal, I would say Liverpool, I would say Man United. Oh, most okay. just because I do think Man United, as uh, much as I, we laugh at their goalkeeper yesterday, I do think that they've they've made a couple of uh, good signings uh, this, this summer. They've They've just added, they haven't really lost a lot. Uh, and especially, they also signed Amrabat, who I don't think is 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 uh, that that uh, uh, much of a uh, you know um, I, I don't think he's a great player. But with uh, Ka- you need to manage Casemiro, and I think uh, Amrabat would allow them to do that. So I would say that's the top four in terms of the the league position uh, of these four players of these four teams. I think Liverpool has the the the, the greatest error error bars or the the biggest variability in terms of how we could finish where we have the talent. We definitely have the talent, but there's a lot of question marks of how, how this talent will translate into results. And it could be that, you know, if, if things don't work out or, or we, we variance kind of goes against us or things don't quite click into midfield, it could be that we were, you know, fighting for top four at the end of the, at the, end of the, the, the season, barely clinging to fourth. But if at the same time, if the variance works for us, especially on attack, if we score a lot of goals, and I think that's what people uh, underestimate last year is aside because we're masked by a few games, a few of the big games that Paul mentioned, but we were kind of terrible in attack. And hopefully with this, this, if this preseason is, a, is, a, is an indicator and we have everybody healthy, we're going to score a lot of goals. And if the attack clicks and we're able to score for fun, I think with a good attack, with a fun, free-flowing attack, we, we we could be up there in 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 the fight for the title race, uh, mm-hmm. but that's that's the, the biggest unknown is is this we have a huge variance, so mm-hmm. I, I like to think we're going to finish in top four, uh, and if the attack really clicks and we're able to score a, a lot of goals and then you know add a couple of those additions that we discussed earlier and they they're able to bet in, we could be fighting Man City for the title. And I think the other thing about Man City is that. We shouldn't discount the losses that they've had with with Gundogan, uh, with Mares, who 
who I think is a bigger loss than than people uh, people expect. I know they 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 cool. got a couple. They got uh, Kovacic, who is not really the same type of player. I know they they got uh, uh, the guy from Guardiola. So defensively, they will be okay. But I still think that they, they may be, uh, they may struggle a little bit with with those losses. So um, I don't know if City will be a hundred point team. And if if our attack clicks and I, we get some of the breaks, we could be fighting with City the last couple of uh, weeks uh, for the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with uh, with your assessment there. I think that um, Liverpool will be. I think Liverpool will be second, uh, but my top four would be City, Liverpool, uh, Newcastle, and Arsenal. But uh, I think that you're right in the like range of positions that Liverpool uh, could land in is like the greatest. Uh, like they could be first or they could be fifth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the attack is good enough to be the be a, like a title winning attack. But I'm not sure that the defense is yet. And so that's where I would put them sort of just below the, the title winning spot. And, you know, if you can get through the first half of the season where your goal scoring is actually meeting your attacking output, um, you would get a lot more points than Liverpool did in the first half last season. And that sort of shores up that top four. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we're not going to see two seasons in a row where they're running so cold in attack outside of like one or two games. And I, for that reason, they're definitely going to be in the top four for me. Um, so next question is, who will be Liverpool's top scorer and how many goals will they score in all competitions? Uh, Paul. Mo Salah, 33. Lubo? I mean, Mo has basically been the highest scorer for Liverpool in uh, pretty much every season he's been here. So you have to bet on him. And he will continue to, 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 to uh, take the penalties. Now there's a question of whether Liverpool are going to get more than like two penalties all season. Uh, but <laughs> but, but uh, who, who, who knows, right? Uh, but I, I do, I, I would say Mo still, but I, I expect Darwin to have a huge season. And if you look across all competitions, especially if he plays in the Europa League and, and some of the domestic cups, depending on how uh, Klopp uses his strikers, I could also see Darwin putting up, up some pretty big numbers because the talent is there. He gets into scoring positions. I mean, last year he had more, he had more big chances than Mo Salah, and that is excluding penalties. Uh, and it was really just his terrible conversion that, that, uh, that uh, let him down. So uh, I could also see Darwin uh, in all competitions being very, very close to, to Mo Salah at the end of the season. Okay. Yeah, and I will also take Mo, and I will say 34. Uh, I, I think you're right, Lubo. Like, we should expect big things from, from Darwin. And he could have, I think that he had last year 15 goals in all comps. And it, it would not be surprising at all for him to be at least between 20 and 25. And the same goes for Diogo Jota. If he is healthy all season, he could easily be in that 20 to 25 range in all competitions. And that those are the types of numbers that can, can carry the team, you know, a, a lot of places. Uh, so next prediction, who will provide the most assists in all competitions and how many? Paul? Trent, um, 
how many assists will he get? How many did he get last season? Uh, he got 10. 10? I'm going to go with 17. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to be I think he's going to be an assist mo- monster this season. Th- that makes sense cuz like last season he had the 10 from like 12 expected assists. So if he just yes. gets picked up a little bit more that his his numbers will shoot right up. Um yeah. Lubo. I'm actually going to go with Mo. I think Trent will have a lot of assists, but I could see Mo having 15 assists. And Trent just being right around there, maybe 12, 13, 14. And I think also if we've seen just the way the attack works right now, uh, a lot, both, uh, both uh, uh, Trent and Mo have been tasked with a lot of the creativity. I think Mo has six assists, seven assists in, in preseason. And I, and I think that, it, that the way um, the attack is geared, I, I think they will ask Mo to do a lot of the creation. And I could I could see him with just better conversion from Darwin and especially if Diogo plays and uh, but consistently uh, Cody I could see Mo having a huge season so I'm gonna go with Mo just edging out Trent and I'll say he'll have 15 assists. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with Mo and 18 assists because I think that you know a lot of the stuff is gonna go through Mo and he's just gonna have a huge year and that that's it. Um, so um, let's look at where Liverpool will do in the cup competitions. Um, Paul, where do you think Liverpool will go in the League Cup? The League Cup, I don't think we'll put much emphasis on. So quarterfinals maximum. Yeah, I, I'll i go next. Is I, I think that Liverpool will go out in the, the first or second round that's available to them. I don't, I don't know that this is going to be an emphasis given the sort of like state of the roster. Uh, Lubo? So I think Liverpool will win one of the two domestic cups and some of it will depend on the, on the draw. A lot of times it depends on the draw, but I'm actually going to go the other way. I think we're going to have an easier draw in the league cup and we're going to actually win that one, uh, especially um, early in the season with, with Europa league. I, I could see, I could see a, a club just using the, the, the league cup also to the Europa league and the league cup to, to, to give uh, uh, minutes for, for players that we consider, you know, top players, <laughs> you know, we, we, especially on the attack because we have very deep attack. But even the players like Harvey and Curtis and even some of the other attackers, I, I could see Klopp actually playing strong teams in, in the Cups, not because he's, uh, he, he, he um, takes them as seriously, but because I think that uh, he, he, he'll just want to give minutes. So... I'm just going to gamble that we're going to get an easier draw in the in the league cup. We're going to win that one, and um, and then for the FA Cup, I think it will just so happen that by that time we'll be prioritizing the league and the Europa League, and I could see us just uh, taking taking the FA Cup as the third priority. Okay, and Paul, what do you think on the FA Cup? FA Cup, I think yeah, we'll definitely try and go a wee bit further on it. You know, quarterfinal, semifinal, perhaps. Um, I think I think the I think it's one of those competitions. I think that possibly, if you're looking at, I don't really want to. Well, if you're looking at the hierarchy of kind of you know what we're going to emphasize this season: Premier League, Europa League, FA Cup, League Cup is kind of the the order I put that in. I think that's the order it's generally every season. So I think um, your FA Cup then is one you'll try to go further in, but at the same time you'll always use it as a competition for. Um, Experiment with players and 
they've thrown some of the youth in and and, and whatnot. So um, if we get a favourable draw, we probably could get quarters, semi-finals again of it. I, I think that Liverpool will actually go out pretty early in the FA Cup too, maybe in the first or okay. second round that's a- available to them. Uh, there just are fewer players that are like senior players that don't get on the field as much that would get rotated in with the young kids. So that it'll, it'll just be more young kids in these cup games. And I, I don't know that that is going to be see Liverpool advance unless they do get really easy draws. And so I think that the emphasis would not be on advancing as much in those competitions because the squad is small. Um, so predictions for their Europa League. Um, Paul, do you want to start us off on that one? Europa League definitely is one that I think we will we will go hard at. Um, obviously, in the in the what you call it uh, group stages, it'll be rotation, change of players, and all the rest of it. But I, I I totally think that that progressing through that will be a a goal of the season. I think you have to look at it and go. That's one that we can get to the you know again favorable draw and all the rest of it. But that's one that we can get to the final of. Um, and uh, you know when uh, that's that's personally my thought. Maybe maybe and maybe I'm being uh, what you call optimistic on that because the finals in Dublin there's a massive <laughs> you know there's a massive following of you know Liverpool supporters in Ireland. You just kind of go and the club will make a you know I'll make a I'll make an effort. The players will make an effort. You know Jurgen will make an effort. Whatever it's in you know pretty close to home soil. Um, you would hope that then they would kind of go right. This is somewhere where we want to win the Europa League and this competition that we want to have. So, yeah, I would go with that. We can we can get to the we can get to the final and we'll go. You know, we'll make a push for it. And and Luba, what do you what do you think is going to happen in the Europa League? I think we're going to win it. Uh, and I I think that we're going to win it for one is I think that we'll have a, a, a good squad, a more settled squad by that, especially once we get into the knockout stages. Um, and especially, you know, if we get one or two players now at this cast, then maybe someone like Andre comes into January and, you you know, he's a good player and you have more depth. But I definitely think that the, the, the uh, club will prioritize uh, the, the Europa League over the, the other cup competitions, which is why, again, in the knockout stages in the spring, I, I see him prioritizing it over the FA Cup. Uh, so it's going to be the league, the, the league, the, the Europa League, and then... FA Cup for the kids if, if needed. But I think one is because uh, it's, it, is a, it is a big trophy. Uh, two, it, it's a trophy that club hasn't won. And remember, he, they made it to the final in, in 2016 in Basel and lost there to Sevilla. Uh, but three, and some of it depends on who drops from the Champions League, right? So sometimes you get a surprise, like a Barcelona, or you, know, you get a surprise team that drops from the Champions League. Uh, it, it'll happen this year again. And if you can dodge those, I do think with a somewhat favorable draw, we, we should be we should actually have a pretty good path uh, to the final, um, and and then that financially as well for for a club that is in the Europa League, you don't make as much money as the Champions League. But if you win it, you could probably make around I don't know fifty million euros with with uh, it's it's not as as lucrative as the Champions League, but definitely a lot of money. And I think that club and club uh, and and, the, and and Liverpool will prioritize so. I, I think they're going to really put an effort to win it. Yeah, I, I think that I'm going to predict Liverpool to, to win the Europa League. Um, and 
and actually do that, uh, get that done. I think that the um, the big thing is the group stage. They are the uh, Liverpool is like the top ranked team in terms of um, UEFA coefficient in the in the entire thing so uh mm-hmm. the the group's gonna be um favorable <laughs> right uh the draw is gonna be favorable you're gonna have an opportunity to play whoever's not playing in the the league games on the weekend uh in attack and like that will be good so you know you have Gakpo or diaz or jota or darwin leading the line and that that's gonna do enough to to get you through the group stages and then I think that the priorities will sort of shift as we get into the spring and Liverpool will actually make a push uh, to, to win this. And it's just a matter of can they avoid Sevilla and actually <laughs> win <laughs> to, to actually win the, the, the competition. So uh, I think this is um, I th- think that's that's what I'll, I'll say for the Europa League. Uh, so I think we're at the point where we should do some some final thoughts uh, and any plugs you guys have. So Lubo, any any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts is, and I know maybe this is because it's the name of the of the podcast, but uh, to remain positive until the end of the the transfer window, there's still a lot of uh, time left. You know, Liverpool don't have to get the two new signings this week before the Chelsea game. There's still a lot of uh, time for them to. To sit down to assess uh, the the external option, but uh, options, but also um, how how the first couple of games go, how the the, the players perform, what is the the situation with Thiago and 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 uh, Stefan. So I think some patience will be will be uh, wise, even if if you know we don't get the signing immediately uh, before the Chelsea game or two signings before the Chelsea game to be to be. Uh, uh, patient and and optimistic that but by uh, by the transfer deadline we'll have at least one but ideally two uh, new players a center back and a and a midfielder as we discussed. Mm-hmm. And then Paul, your final thoughts. My final thoughts, I guess, um, similar. Uh, you know, we, we, we've still a long way to go before the end of the transfer window. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. Players who can, can become available, deals can be done. Um, you know, we could get off to a really great start, four wins, and we could kind of be looking and going, you know, one or two players, and we'll be, we'll be well set for the rest of the season. So, <laughs> um, my thought is let's let's remain positive. Um. And uh, also, this is the longest. I think this is the longest positivity podcast that we have done. So, um, for those thinking that that would be a very short one because there's very little to be positive about, um, I think we've done pretty well to extend this and get this to the length <laughs> we've got to, and 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 be and remain very upbeat about what our chances are for this season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I've enjoyed this one. <laughs> yeah, and looking ahead to the season, I think that it's going to be. It's going to be a fun one. Like it, it's going to be a wild ride at times. Like scoring lots of goals, conceding lots of goals, maybe. Uh, and I think that yeah. in the end, it'll come come good. But it, it could be just sort of like all over the place in terms of what happens. And uh, I'm expecting just a little bit more of a roller coaster ride than usual. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think Liverpool will come out on top. Um, yeah. So yeah, we just need to do the old the old Brazilian, you know. We'll score one more than you score. That's just what it needs to be. <laughs> as Absolutely. long as we do that, that every that, match, that's all that matters. Then we're going to win. That's right. <laughs> that's score more goals. 
You can always yep. score more. Score, <laughs> score more than you can see in your winning matches. That's all we need to do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. With that, I think we'll we'll uh, we'll say goodbye and up the Reds, and we'll we'll talk to you again after um, <laughs> <laughs> probably around the time of the the first international uh, break. Up the Reds. Excellent. See you soon. Up the, the Reds. Cheerio. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.